Next on BYUSN, the win streak now by the wayside. What is your number one concern from last night's BYU basketball loss at LMU? Plus the Cougar in the NFL milestone that is going down this weekend. Oh yeah, this is how we do it. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation on a fantastic Friday presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is January 6th. I am Spencer Linton. He is late night basketball savant, Jerem Jordan. There was a commercial for, what was it called? I can't remember, the contour snake or swan, the contour swan, where it kind of wraps around your body and you can sleep. My wife's like, what did you tweet? I said, I might get you this because you're one of those people that want like the long pillow. Uh That's how bored I was. This was an as seen on TV type of In the second half, I was like, oh my gosh. Let's go. We'll break down the contour swan and much more coming up on It's also show. in the Sky Mall magazine. <laughs> I guarantee it's in the Sky Mall magazine. <laughs> Have we already seen the best of BYU men's hoops this season? We will discuss. Blaine Fowler will weigh in as well on that and football topics. Is Jamal Williams' success worth some pain for me as a Seahawks fan? Mm-hmm. And the newest Deep Blue featuring Elijah Bryant and his journey to World and Euro League championships. Here are today's headlines. Beginning with BYU men's basketball who lose 64-59 at LMU, snapping the Cougars' seven-game win streak. BYU just two for 13 as a team from the three-point line en route to the season-low 59 points. Bounce-back opportunity tomorrow at San Diego with coverage starting at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. Cougars in the NFL wrap up the regular season this weekend. Jamal Williams and the Lions play the Packers. Tyler Ogier and the Falcons take on Tom Brady and the Bucks. Kyrus Tonga with the Vikings plays his former team. Dub Bears. Taysom Hill and the Saints play NFC South foe Brady Christensen and the Panthers. Sione Takitaki and the Browns take on the Steelers. Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis and the Chargers take on the Let's Ride Broncos. Mm-hmm. Fred Warner and the Niners play the Cardinals. And Dax Mill and the Commanders play former America's team Dallas Cowboys. And Zach Wilson was activated to be the backup to Joe Flacco for the Jets at Miami. BYU women's basketball hosting San Diego tomorrow for Eastern on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. The Cougars now 2-2 two two in WCC play, riding a two-game win streak led by Lauren Gustin, who is averaging, averaging 15 points and 15 rebounds per game. She's awesome, man. Men's volleyball season begins tonight. McKendry in town, number 14, Lewis tomorrow, both 9 Eastern on BYU TV. Cougars begin the season unranked for the first time in the 34-year history of the program. BYU Gymnastics, led by head coach Guard Young, open their season tomorrow, 3 Eastern in the Vegas Super 16 meet. And swim and dive compete tonight at Denver. A year ago, the men and women both won this meet. All rise and shout, it's time for What's Trending. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. We are discussing concern number one for BYU men's basketball as it pertains to last night's loss against LMU. Wait, I thought they were going to play into bracketology. What? Had they won. (laughs) How crazy is that? If you missed it, how crazy is it that I mean, at any point. It's not because of a rule. Right. It's just a technicality that had BYU won last night and started 3-0 in WCC play, Joe Lunardi, per his rules of teams being the conference leaders in the bracket, BYU would have been seen in the bracket today, which is pretty pretty wild. All it took was one versus LMU. Just had to beat LMU. BYU couldn't do it. But why? And what's your number one concern 
due to that loss. The offense stunk. 59 points is a season low. Uh, points per possession was .819, which is terrible. Uh, you got to be above one. And even then, that's like the top half of college basketball. So it was a tough offensive night. Two of 13 from three, as you mentioned. Ten assists on 26 field goals is, is bad. In the final third, third, 335, BYU cuts it to three. But then after that, only has two points. Four turnovers, three of which were from Dallin Hall. He was forcing the issue, trying to make a play. Unfortunately, didn't work out for mm -hmm. Dallin or the Cougs. And so, real concern there. We knew the LMU was sneaky, that they were improved, that it's been a place that's given BYU a hard time at times. Granted, that's been every place in the WCC. But uh, this was a disappointing one because we felt like BYU was on a roll. They could still get back on a roll. They could beat San Diego. They could somehow pull off a home win against Gonzaga, and, and then everything's okay. But, again, still, this team, this team uh, is not an NCAA tournament team, obviously, is currently constituted. My hope is that they can be an NIT team and salvage something of the season because if you don't make the NIT at BYU, that season is pathetic. It's just how it is. So hopefully BYU can figure some things out. But offensively, they let LMU kind of dictate things. And Mark Pope said, hey, our pace and our unselfish basketball is supposed to overcome that kind of physicality that, uh, you know, Kelly Lea Pepe and company imposed. But, yeah, they, they made some threes, and BYU couldn't kind of overcome it, despite defensively only giving up 64. I thought it was a nice defensive game. you got to be able to score in the high 60s, low 70s at least. BYU only shot 13 three-pointers. I want to see BYU shoot at least 23s a game. I, I miss that. I chuck up a few more, maybe a few more go in, instead of focusing so heavily on the paint. BYU had some success inside the paint. They had a ton of points in Good the paint. Good numbers there. Right? Yeah, yeah. I want to see BYU shoot some more threes. And they didn't turn the ball over an exorbitant amount of times. So I thought BYU did a good job taking care of the ball for sure. It was sure. like nine until the last 3.30. And then it kind of got weird as yeah. they are pressing. And, and not even getting shots off. They're scrambling. The yeah, for sure. So the three-point shooting and the offense are the number one concern. I think the thing that is most frustrating for Mark Pope and his players and BYU fans is that LMU did not play well. LMU didn't play well. They played Defensively, they played Great. They, they allowed 59. They were, yeah. But, and BYU had so many opportunities to kind of seize the moment and just couldn't. So that adds to the frustration. Like, ah, if you just play a little bit better, like maybe make one or two more threes, then now we're talking and BYU's getting out of Griston Pavilion. They're 3-0. and They're in Lenardi's bracket. They've won eight games in a row, riding high going into San Diego, and maybe they've won nine in a row and start 4-0 and in WCC play. But they regressed to the mean of what they have always done in West Coast Conference play, which is typically drop one of those games early in league play and scratching your head like, ah. That's why I'm not that frustrated. Because I sort why? of unfortunately expected this. Uh, this group has shown us to be super hot or super cold. And uh, they've, they've got some talent there. Certainly they, they need to elevate that talent going into the Big 12. But, um, yeah, in a year from now, eh, this isn't LMU. This is... Kansas State, this is UCF, this is Houston. Right? Or any of the Big 12 teams. So if it's, if it's tough at LMU and San Diego, <sighs> buckle up. Well, and when you look at the resume, this loss is not like a condemning loss for BYU. It's a quad, quad two, two loss. Right Which, by the way, Utah became a quad one. 
last night. So now BYU has two quad one wins. Uh, that means BYU's making the tourney. Sweet. The Cougars are three and four in quad <laughs> one and quad two games combined. So that hurts a little bit because you had a chance to now push your mark to a winning record against quad one and quad two teams. Yeah, all that conversation was but, relative to the NIT, though. It's not relative well, for to sure, the that's what I'm saying. Like you say, like get like, to get to the NIT. Like BYU get still needs NIT. to put together a resume worthy of the NIT. And what yeah. I'm saying is, as frustrating as the loss is for fans, and you're, it's not frustrating I'm to not you. Frustrating. Like I'm frustrated because I don't think LMU played particularly well. I, I feel like BYU had every opportunity to win that game. Had LMU come out gangbusters and shot well, and they go up 17 on BYU like they did last year, fine, whatever. Now I'm not frustrated, but. LMU didn't do anything earth-shattering, and the door was left consistently open for BYU to stay in there and, and sneak through. I just couldn't do it. I'm giving credit to LMU for the defense they played to some degree, right? Like, you don't accidentally score 59 that low. I think LMU did some things that slowed BYU down, the physicality. They were tough defensively on ball. They were tough at the rim. They were blocking That's shots. That's fine. They were creating turnovers. That's fine, even with good defense. So I'm saying BYU yeah. just missed opportunities. And two for 13 from three? Yeah, and, and if, you, if you only allow 64, you should win that game. Like, BYU should win that game. Especially even, on the road. Even on the road, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed at how not frustrated I am because we've just seen this before. And it's, and it's just tough, and we're ready to move on to what we think are greener pastures. They won't be greener in terms of total wins. They'll be greener in terms of TV money and prestige. But uh, BYU's ability to compete in the WCC has mostly been high and resulted in some NCAA tournaments, not as many as we wanted. But certainly this, this team and this program have to figure some things out in the next couple of years if they're going to be an NCAA tournament team in the Big 12, let alone the WCC. Like, BYU certainly had chances this year. Um, but, and, and last night, like, LMU is better than you think. This isn't the LMU that's in the 200s in RPI. No, right that's now. what I'm saying. Like, this, this loss is, is a top 100 team right now. It's quad two loss. It's a quad two loss. It's all fun. of that rhetoric is relative to the NCAA tournament, which it doesn't, BYU's not pacing for at all. BYU still has some work to do, though, to make the NIT. And right, that, yeah. Doesn't the resume matter for the NIT? That's though? where maybe some frustration will come in mm -hmm. is, okay, this program needs to at least make the NIT. And, and last night, certain guys didn't, didn't play as well as they needed to. Um, Rudy Williams sticks out. Just two points off the bench. We certainly expect more out of Rudy. Well, he's been ultra-polarizing because for like a four-game stretch, he was a world-beater, right? Against Utah, he, he had was two, amazing. Two Saturdays in a row where he was tremendous. Creighton, right? incredible. And that's the high. That's not the average, right? Let's keep that in mind. Okay, topic two. Have we already seen the best of the season from BYU basketball in some regards? In terms of a win streak, absolutely. Yeah, categorize however you want. BYU's not going to win seven games in a row again. I agree. Just was, because of the awesome. way that the schedule shakes out. Now you've got four games with Gonzaga and St. Mary's and two more with San Francisco and two more with Santa Clara, and you've got to host LMU. Like, those are all approaching in league play over the next 13 games. <laughs> Nine of the next 13 are like, oh, man, that's a lot to ask BYU to win that game. And so now I go back to my initial projection when we started the season of 19 and 12. Just go – Eight and eight in conference. If BYU can be better than that, all gravy. You go nine and seven in conference, fantastic. And that's probably where I come in as frustrated too from last night. Because if you beat LMU, now I feel BYU has a great shot to have a winning record in league play. Mm, the expectations are so low right now. It's tough. That it's stinks. Tough. Yeah. The conference is better. BYU is not as good as they have been in years past, clearly. So get to eight and eight, go 19 and, and 12 in league play. Frankly, hope you win a game in Vegas. Yeah, 
Yeah, and help you win a game. Get to 20. And like, then be in it. If you're wins, in the 20s, you got a shot in the NIT. You're an NIT team probably if you win 20 games. Yeah, and even then, um, you know, they, there are power six teams who get into the NIT with fewer, but fewer is not in a power six. So. The peak moment for BYU hasn't happened yet. There will be some crazy game down the line. Okay, Whether St. Mary's or Gonzaga. Beat St. Mary's, well, beat Gonzaga. Well, it have to be one of those two because beating Creighton was pretty good. For sure, but to me, that's <laughs> Utah, it's qualified top 30 teams with right now. Ryan Kalkbrenner being out and BYU benefiting from that. So that one, to me, has a little bit of an asterisk next to it because Creighton was without their best player. So if BYU can beat a St. Mary's team or a Gonzaga team, and I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You like somewhere a, down the line, BYU is going to beat the Gales. It's got to be Gonzaga or St. Mary's. There's no the, win over anybody else that would do more than Utah or Creighton for me. And I think BYU will figure out one of the four times yeah. how to do that. And you take them where you get them. Like Notre Dame isn't going, well, we beat BYU, but Jaron Hall was hurt. They're just like, we beat BYU. But I I'm, uh, hope that that's the case. Well, at least Jaron Hall played. Culpin didn't even play. <laughs> Excuse me. He wasn't even in the roster. Oh, he played. Oh, sorry, in the lineup. He, he played. He just was in street clothes. Um, yeah. <laughs> the win streak, no. It's going to be tough to overcome. That was a really nice win streak. You're mm-hmm. not playing Lindenwood and Weber State at home uh, consecutively in Western Oregon in a stretch, Portland right? without their two best players. Yeah, that was nice. We didn't bring that up, I guess. Um, but, yeah, best win. It, beating St. Mary's or Gonzaga certainly would be a monumental that way because both are higher than Creighton and Utah right now. Listen, beating Utah at home, if Utah has a, a pretty good season, that might be the best one of the year. We'll see. That was a good one. Always beat, good to beat the Utes, but this year they're actually uh, decent, right? They're, they're top 30. The best way to play the game, though, is hopefully still ahead for BYU. BYU is still seeking that sort of, okay, we know what we are. We've got our rotation. Like the moment you put Trevin Nell in, you sort of mess with that again. But that messing with may elevate you because on a night when you go two for 13, you know what you could need? Trevin, Trevin Nell. Nell making some threes. Like it, it may take Trevin a sec to get back into the flow of things physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that, be in shape, the whole deal. But um, maybe he's a key where when you play LMU and you need a certain three that ties the game in the last three and a half minutes, maybe you get it. But uh, certainly it's going to take a sec to figure out rotations because he hasn't played yet this year, and I still ask the question just rhetorically, is it worth it for him to come back and be on this team this year, or should he save it? Like, given what you're seeing from BYU basketball this year, do they – Trevin Nell comes back for what? Um, I almost wonder if it's better if he waits. But that's obviously up to him and what he wants, and does he want to be here another two full years or just one more year? What are his ambitions? What are his – I don't know. I'd love two full years of Trevin Nell because yeah. this team isn't pacing for the NCAA tournament. It doesn't look like a tourney team. I don't even know if they look like an NIT team sometimes. Like, hopefully they are. It might not be worth it for Trev to come back in terms of that part, but that's up to him. BYU absolutely has to beat San Diego tomorrow. Like, now, now the pressure is on. Or it's like, and I'm talking just like it's for the NIT. For the NIT. Like, it's like, okay. You need to beat some teams that you need to beat. BYU, yeah. because the games approaching are going to be so difficult, San Diego is a team on paper that BYU should beat. 100%. Steve Lavin, what's up? Right? And, and taking nothing away from Steve Lavin. Like, he's trying to rebuild a program. I worked a game with Steve Lavin Steve's one time. great. It was awesome. He's fantastic he as yeah. a coach. It's going to take a while for that program to get to a good place. They're not in a great place right now. BYU should win that game. Get to they are in a great place. They're in San Diego. 
physically. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three and one uh, coming back, and then you see what happens at home against Gonzaga. And that, again, that's one of those scenarios where I'm never going to write off BYU against anybody in the Marriott Center. Especially this in Gonzaga. The Center, yes. Especially in this this Gonzaga team, They're, who looked very, very vulnerable. I watched the whole game side by side last night against the San Francisco. The guard play of Gonzaga is not great this year. Granted, Rasir Bolton at the end saved him, making four of the last five shots, including the game winner with seven seconds left. Obviously, Timmy and uh, Watson and yeah. they, they've got. Don't get me wrong, they've got good players. Oh, they're but, they're a top ten team. Yes, absolutely. But what? Well, they're just not like the top four team they have been. For sure. They're a top 10 team, but there are some vulnerabilities there that we haven't seen in years past, yeah. right? And they yeah. got to come to Provo. So you has got to shoot the lights out, though. Like, that's what San Francisco did. They were jacking up threes, and they were making them. But you can. This team has got to show it's going to be way better from three. Can BYU show up against Gonzaga like they showed up against Utah? And I know Utah and Gonzaga are different teams, but BYU shot the ball well against Utah, and it changed everything. Rudy Williams was a difference maker. Yeah. Maybe Rudy rises up like he did against Creighton, Utah. Come home. Maybe that's Come what home. gives you a chance. Yeah and, yeah, and try and rediscover that magic. All right, let's go to Voice of the Nation. Our question of the day is this. What is the goal for BYU men's basketball moving forward? At Grizzfather on Twitter answers with this. Quote, only way I see an at-large bid, oh, he's talking NCAA tournament, okay. is beating St. Zaga three out of four games. Other than that, a big dance ticket hangs on winning the West Coast Conference Tournament. NIT bid with possibly a high one or two seed has to be the realistic goal now. I don't even care what the seed is. Oh, the NIT. no, no, no. We're Just beggars, get to not the choosers. NIT. Yeah. Win 20 games, get to the NIT. And, and okay. And I feel like it BYU's going to, they'll, they'll surprise somebody. They will surprise yeah, St. Sure. Mary's or Gonzaga yes. pushing St. forward. St. Mar- Mary's at home. Like defensively, BYU can hang with St. Mary's at home, I believe. Yes. BYU is a top 50 defensive team. Last night played good enough defense, 64 allowed. Let's go. Okay, men's hoops looks to bounce back tomorrow at San Diego, discovered by the Germans. Catch Gregor Bell and Mark Durant's call. Scoogers take on the Toreros. Pre-game at 7 Eastern on BYU Radio. Up next, Uncle B, dual threat analyst Blaine Fowler discusses what he witnessed last night from BYU men's basketball against the Lions. And we're going to talk football with him. What does he expect from BYU quarterback Keaton Slovis? This is a quarterback talking about a quarterback. Don't go anywhere on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Trying to get the truth to holler at me. I got the plug. Maybe I can pull some straight. Wait a We want that Rudy, and he can do it. Yes, yes he can. Tomorrow at San Diego, we are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It's been too long since we've featured Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, specifically on BYU Sports Nation. So you know what? We invited him to our Friday party. Blaine Fowler joining us now over Zoom from the comforts of home. Blaine, What's up, Blaine? happy Friday, man. You guys know I would be in there with you, but... I've had a little cough that I don't want to give to you guys. So we appreciate I that. To be the safety guy. Because remember, we, we all worked on the safety we videos did. for the missionaries. And in that spirit, I stayed home today. It's great use of situational awareness but on your part, Blaine. Obedience to the rules. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Hey, Blaine, 
Uh, while you were at home last night with that cough, uh, I'm sure you felt bouts of frustration like I did, and, and maybe Jerem did at moments as you watch BYU take on LMU and kind of miss opportunities. But what's your number one concern for BYU after last night's game specifically? Well, I'll, I'll give you my number one and then my kind of one B. My, my one is for them to have a couple of players that, that have the identity of big-time step-up players in the clutch. And, you know, we've seen some flashes of maybe Rudy could be that guy. Maybe Spencer Johnson can be that guy. But there really hasn't been anybody in, uh, on this team. Remember, the guys that have kind of done this are either new faces, um, um, you know, brand new faces, just off of missions. Like I'm thinking like a Dallin Hall, Rudy Williams, who's a new face to the program. Um, but, but when you're in tight ball games, especially on the road, you have to have somebody, and it can't be a post player that relies on other people to give them the ball, that with the ball in their hands can say, okay, we've got to match shots, and when we get stops, we have to make shots down the stretch. Um, and I'm concerned that we don't know who that, that person is, and, and certainly whoever that person is hasn't been consistent enough for us to go, yep, that's the guy. I, I think about LMU last night. Um, even Shelton, who didn't shoot it that well during the course of the game, he was 6 of 15 overall and 1 of 5 from 3. Yeah. But down the stretch, when they had to have a couple of shots, he got real physical, went inside, and made shots that he had to make. And on the other end, um, like Gideon George, who'd been shooting the ball lights out all game long, had three straight wide-open threes and didn't come close. Um, and so great players, when the game's on the line – they elevate their game. They become really, really focused. Um, and they're more accurate with their shooting. Their decision-making gets better. Um, and, and their shooting percentage goes up. They don't miss free throws. When the game's on the line, the great players get better. And it is in any sport. Think of Tom Brady. He, you know, why is he always 7 of 8 on the, on the two-minute drive at the end of the game? His focus just goes like this, and, and he's great. And, and for BYU... I'm looking for somebody to step up and, and be that person. The last couple of years, it's been Alex Barcella for them. And he was money in that role. They, they need to find that person. Is it Rudy? Um, you guys mentioned Trevin. Now, when Trevin comes back, is he a guy that can make open shots when they have to have him down the stretch? Um, is Dallin Hall going to grow into that? I mean, Jimmer was maybe one of the best ever at that. But Jimmer wasn't Jimmer until he was a junior. He certainly wasn't the Jimmer we know as a freshman and then just was a glimmer of who he could be as a sophomore then as a junior and senior he was that guy and they won every close game because of it so that, that's my biggest concern is that they haven't found that guy yet comment then a question yeah with dallin hall we got to remember he's fresh off a mission it's january this is the time when if there's going to be a low it's going to start to sort of happen here physically perhaps he can overcome that but then the other thing is is it worth it for Trevin Nell to come back? Because this isn't looking like an NCAA tournament-type team. If you're Trevin, do you wait for two years in the Big 12? And, and that's the if, if he can – I feel like if it goes more than about another week, um, pro probably not probably not worth coming back. And maybe, maybe you keep him because I feel like he's an elite shooter. Um, I feel like he's a guy that can make shots down the stretch. You really could use a guy that shoots the ball like that um, coming down the stretch in, in the Big 12 for sure. So um, if he can come back in the next seven days, 
I'd say, boy, you need him to help with the chemistry of this team. If he can't, then you really have to consider, do you just have him sit out and have two years left to play? I, so, so I think it's really, really close. I think it's borderline time on that right now. Blaine Fowler is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's flip the page to BYU football because it's been a while since we talked to you. We haven't been able to discuss specifically with you the addition of Keaton Slovis at quarterback for BYU and Aiden Robbins at running back, among some other pieces that are coming in. So let's start with the quarterback, Blaine, because that's your position. You played quarterback at BYU. Wait, what? How would you assess BYU's signing of Keaton Slovis and what do you expect from him in his final campaign as a college quarterback? I expect him to be really, really good in this offense. And, um, you know, I got a chance to visit with Keaton. And we weren't allowed to say it was killing me to not say something about it. Um, when, I, when I met he and his parents at practice about, I don't know, three or four weeks. It's a couple of weeks before they made the announcement. And the conversation I had with him, I walked away and I'm like, man, I hope we get that guy. Because um, I talked to him about, what what are you doing here? Like why BYU? And he said, "Listen, you know, I was I was at USC. They utilized my skills, timing of injuries, and all the things that I had there caused me to leave. I went to Pittsburgh, expecting to run a pro style offense and to be able to develop. And the OC and the quarterbacks coach changed. So my purpose for coming to BYU is, um, first of all, I, I I really like the culture here. And I thought, okay, that's a great start. And he goes, second of all. I want to play in an offense where I can learn and grow and get better in a pro-style offense that prepares me to play in the National Football League. So if I come here, I mean, we're all in on getting better and and running this offense um, with Aaron Roderick calling the plays and helping develop me. And I just thought, man, I just I love the attitude. And when and when I look back at his freshman and sophomore year, year at USC, this is an NFL talent physically. Um, he can make every throw on the field. He's played in a ton of big games. He'll come in and be and have played in more P5 games than any other player on the team when he walks in there. And so he's been there and been in that position. And if he comes with the mentality that he talked about where I want to learn, I want to learn from Aaron Roderick, I want to understand this offense and run a pro-style offense, I think they have the weapons around him, especially with the additions at running back, that he can be very successful uh, this year and be a great leader for this team um, as they as they manage their first season as a P5 school at a P5 conference. BYU certainly needs it. Do you feel like BYU also needs another quarterback? Because I think uh, Spencer and I agree that another guy uh, to compete for the backup spot with Cade Finnegan and company would be good. Yeah, I, I really like Cade Finnegan's um, skill set. He never was really healthy this last year. What people don't understand is when they saw um, Jacob Conover made that brief appearance in, in, in one game down the stretch, that would have been Cade had he not been in a boot. He had kind of worked his way into that number two position because they liked the way he fits in this offense. And they loved Jacob Conover, but they just felt his skill set was different than the offense that they wanted to run. Um, Cade also can make all the throws. He's been in this offense. I'm confident if he can stay healthy that he can be solid and develop. Um, and I also really like Ryder Burton. Ryder's enrolling is in school right now. So he graduated early, and he's going to be there. And I never want to see a freshman have to play, but I feel like he's got the kind of skill set that can thrive in this offense. So they're going to have at least three in there that, that I think can compete, push one another, 
um, and continue to develop. And what you really want is you want Finnegan and Burton to develop. But I say you recruit right over the top of people every year. That's the old way at BYU. And if if you can find a, another transfer with three years that's willing to sit for a year behind Slovis, or you can find a JC guy with three years, I'm not opposed uh, to taking that guy. But I'm, I am opposed to just signing somebody to have another body. If it's not somebody that can truly compete, um, and they're at the level with Burton and with Finnegan um, and with Slovis, then there's no purpose in bringing them in. Blaine, I'll add this, and then I'll ask you the final question. I fully anticipate that BYU will add a junior college transfer quarterback and think that's just a number of days away from happening. And a guy, like you said, who will come in, and when he takes over, if he takes over, would have multiple years of eligibility to play. And and you would think would learn from Slovis and push those other guys. But we could save that topic for another day if and when I think that goes official. I do need to ask you about the defensive staff because the final piece is in play now with the addition of Justin Anna, who's going to be coaching the linebackers. He joins Jay Hill and company on the defensive side. How much of an impact do you realistically think that this coaching staff, the defensive side specifically, can make for BYU as they go into a Power 5 conference? I think I think the biggest thing that this group can bring is that that they've a guy like Sione, a guy like Kelly, and a guy like Justin have all recruited at a high high level um, and have landed P five type talent. Um, and, and Jay, even though he's been at FCS before that, he was at Utah and was well known as a as a guy that was a phenomenal recruiter that that could connect with parents, that could connect with players, and get them get them to come and compete. I think that's the biggest thing. I think the diversity of this staff is going to allow them uh, in the background of this staff is going to allow them to connect with, with more and better athletes and upgrade the talent. That's the most important thing. And then I, the other thing I think is important is I feel like Jay Hill is going to be the DC as a mirror image of Kalani philosophically on defense. And that, I think that's important. I think, I think Kalani um, wants to, to have input and be an integral part of what they're doing. But, but Jay and he think almost identically when it comes to how you run defenses. And what you saw in the bowl game was that philosophy. I mean, Kalani, Jay, Jay wasn't a real part of that other than just kind of watching and observing. But, but that was the defense that Kalani put together, and he gave to Gavin and Jan and those guys, this is what we're doing, this is how we're running it. That was Kalani calling the defense. And I thought they played really well against a very explosive SMU offense and so stylistically i think it's a great fit the most important thing is recruiting they got to upgrade the athletes especially on the defensive line i feel this staff can do it i think sione is going to be phenomenal and then the second thing is philosophically do they do the same things and is everybody on the same page i think that's going to be the case and therefore i think we're going to see uh, increasing production on the defensive side over the next couple of years Always a great time with the fabulous Blaine Fowler. He is our elite dual threat analyst. Blaine, happy Friday once again. Let's give you some karma to take care of that cough so you can come back and hang out with the studio as soon as possible. We, I, hey, I need, I need to be rid of this cough at worst by uh, Thursday when we do the pre and post for Gonzaga, right, Jeremy? Let's go. Yes. I'd be go. healthy for that, which, which I'm almost certain because I've only coughed once during this whole show. That's a milestone. Yeah, it's a win. I call and, twice. And then by best. next Saturday, when we're when we're all involved in calling that the Pepperdine, we got a big week coming up this next week. So, got to get healthy. I appreciate all the karma I can get. You got it. Thanks, Blaine. Great to talk with you.
All right, guys. He is Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, discussing basketball and football. Thanks. Quarterback situation to BYU. Yeah, yeah and as you mentioned, a Juco guy would be really nice to add to this group to uh, not only push Keaton, but yeah. push Cade and, and Riders right there. And that's the future because uh, Keaton's a one-and-done guy. So you need another guy that you can groom to perhaps be the next Sark, the Juco yes. guy that comes in and says, get your hands off of me. I want to be the starting quarterback. <laughs> BYU men's if you know, you know. If you know, you know. BYU men's volleyball opens the season tonight. They are going to push the people around as well. Watch the Cougars face McKendry at 9 Eastern on BYU TV. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't lay your hands right, on please me. Please, uh, take your hands <laughs> off me. Coming up, Jerem faces a choice that greatly affects the greater BYU good. Okay. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and perhaps at some point in the future, be real. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. A year from now, will we miss playing in the West Coast Conference? No. <laughs> no. We won't. Will we miss sort of uh, an easier road? No. There? No. Because I think even even though this goes I to what Mark Pope was talking about I earlier wonder. this year where it's like it's going to be a bottoming out and harder, but like the growth curve will be much steeper and better for BYU in the Big 12 with recruiting and who you're playing and like we certainly because hope. you're a power five team. BYU have to, we'll have to elevate its game for sure. Bottoming out, so lower bottom, but a higher high eventually. So no, BYU is not going to miss. We won't miss the WCC, which has been awesome to BYU, by the way. Um, we won't miss like at LMU 9 p.m. tip either. <laughs> no, I'll take Mountain 6 p.m. tips. Eastern, Eastern uh, homies, yeah. shout out. The Zags squeak out another game. It's what they do at USF. It's they what always they do. find a way to win. But are they gettable in Provo next week? They're certainly gettable. They've been got three times. Granted, those teams are all in the top 15. Can BYU do it? Hey, they need Rudy Williams to have that Creighton Utah performance like we talked about. Yes, the Zags are gettable. I said it earlier in the show. They have some vulnerabilities that have not been there in recent years. Can They're... BYU match up with that physically? I'm not sure, because they have some good post players. Oh, Drew Timmy's incredible. Like, but Foose. But Foose, are you, do, you, do you have to play Foose and a Tiki? BYU's not played two posts at the same yeah. time this year with the Tiki and Foose. They're gettable. BYU's just got to shoot the three. They put Anton Watson out there. They can both shoot threes like they're in. Matchup nightmare. Gotta make threes. Every game. Can the BYU women's basketball team, who's currently on a three game win streak, match the men's seven game win streak? Mm, maybe. I'm gonna say probably not because this team, even though Lauren Gustin is incredible and Nani Falate is coming into her own, this team is still relatively young and learning under a new head coach. A couple of road games in there, it's, it's tough. So they yeah, can't. Tough next four. They can do it. Probably won't do it. I do expect them to beat San Diego at home tomorrow, though. San Diego doesn't have great offense, and I don't think they have an answer for Lauren Gustin. Yeah, San Diego typically tremendous defense, limited offense. Yeah, I just yeah. So we'll hopefully. Yeah. What do you expect this weekend from BYU men's volleyball, who opens the season against McKendry and number 14 Lewis? To beat the Bearcats of McKendry, and then to compete well against Lewis and perhaps win. Lewis does have. Uh, a better team certainly on paper, but it's uh, no expectations 
season for BYU men's yeah. volleyball. We'll see what they get. They're young, they're growing, they're improving. They have a couple of additions, namely Setter Heath Hughes, who should make a big difference. We all want all the wins. We all want a weekend sweep. I expect a weekend split. And I think that's totally fine for this team. Yeah. Jeremy, oh, take Zach, it away. Zach Wilson will be active this week for the Jets. We'll back up Joe Flacco. Do you believe he'll throw a pass? No. No. He won't get it. Unless Joe Flacco is so bad or gets hurt, which could happen, then Zach Wilson's not going to play. Zach will play, but only on an injury basis for Joe Flacco. Zach comes in, throws for four touchdowns and 300 yards, <laughs> and the offseason is even crazier. Drama! <laughs> oh, Zach is that, back! That would be awesome. I would love for him to play. That'd be amazing. Just to create some drama and play well, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the NFL, would you be willing to watch your Seattle Seahawks lose to Jamal Williams Let me stop you right and there. the Detroit Lions if it means the Lions and Jamal making the playoffs? I am a fan of Jamal Williams as an individual, but I don't really care that much how the team does, per se. I would love all the success for Jamal in the world, mm -hmm. but not at the cost of my Seahawks. Really? I want Even this year? Berth. Yeah, I want, yeah, I want to make the playoffs for the Seahawks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Plus, we get all the Denver first-round picks next year. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, you have yeah. so many picks. Like, well, you don't need to make the playoffs. You got picks. Like, you'll make the playoffs moving forward. The we can have both. Sports. I don't know if the Lions we can are, have both. Are the Lions ever going to be in this position again? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I do. So I'm willing to sacrifice your Seahawks. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't have a vested interest, uh, naturally. J.J. Watt received some interesting ma fan mail yesterday. He stuffed Badger for the former Wisconsin uh -huh, man. Should uh -huh. we send Jamal a stuffed Cougar when he gets to 1,000 yards? He only needs six. We have one. There's literally a stuffed Cougar that I've taken pictures next to. It's not ours. It's athletic. We'd have to uh, <clears throat> borrow it. <laughs> send it to him. If he wants it, he deserves it. The, the phrase from uh, Bill Raftery was, send it in, Jerome. Maybe it, send it to Jamal. Yeah, I, I don't think he wants it. No. But if he, I mean, if well, send, maybe. Him, send him a new Pokemon game. That's what he really wants. And then we'd be like, from your middle-aged middle vanilla men, yes. as he once called us. Here's the dual game, Pokemon <laughs> Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. You're Pokey welcome, man. Jamal. Well, it's not. Don't do that. <laughs> Pokemon. 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 You don't have children. Women's Hoops looks to extend its three-game win streak against San Diego tomorrow. Watch it on BYU TV, 4 Eastern time. Doubleheader tomorrow with volleyball and basketball. Up next, we go deep blue with former BYU basketball standout and NBA champion Elijah Bryant. What a road it's been for him. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B on a Friday. Elijah Bryant is an NBA champion and EuroLeague champion. He accomplished those feats in back-to-back -back seasons. Incredible. That said, overcoming distances in his life in Atlanta, and now in professional family life are what matter most to the former Cougar, Elijah Bryant. I loved basketball from a young age. Um, never really knew how good I was per se, but my mom just continued to put me in position to succeed or get better. As Elijah was growing up, we went to many different environments for basketball. Um, some good, some bad, some we felt comfortable in and some not so much, but what I wanted to make sure was that he was out of his environment, out of his element where he was being challenged. 
where he was being made to, you know, sink or swim. Or... She's helped Elijah in so many aspects of his life, whether it be school, pushing him to get good grades, to basketball, driving him two hours each way just to his practice. So we would go from Athens all the way to College Park, Adamsville, which is right next to the airport. So, I mean, I still get anxiety till this day when I go down there. Hold on, like, we're the only people here, like, that look like this. Like, you're screaming at the other team, the ref. Like, we're kind of out of place here. I think we should calm down. So definitely made me play a little bit more nervous, anxious in the games. It's like that saying, you know, killed or be killed. And he had to go through that from the age of 8 to 18 to where he was used to competing with the best and the most aggressive. My teachers used to always ask, you know, why is his homework, his handwriting so messy? And my mom had to explain that he's always in a car. So it's kind of like the life that I got used to, but I didn't really know anything else because I didn't play with my friends as much, so. Back to Bryant for three. So I remember two things really specifically about Elijah Bryant. I remember uh, he was here at camp when I was an assistant here as a high school camper. And he was a talented player that we felt like couldn't shoot, which is crazy. It tells you how bad an evaluator I am. Elijah Bryant, man, did I miss out on that recruiting opportunity. Um, I think I was the head coach at Southern Utah at the time, and Coach Pope was an assistant at BYU. And he gave me a call, right, about this young man, a man of faith out of Georgia. I was at Utah Valley at the time, but I heard about a really good player. I know he had to sit out his first year at BYU, but I kept on hearing his name. Played NBA Summer League. You know, ended up as an NBA champion, right? A EuroLeague, right, champion. He's one of our most certainly decorated alumni ever here at BYU. More importantly, he's a great human being, uh, loves this gospel, and is a great example for all of our guys. The biggest growth was definitely moving overseas, not having family, not having friends, not knowing the language. I think our life is just always up in the air, and it took a while to get used to. It just hits you that you're like, you just have to be connected to that person. Even if you're fighting with that person, you just need to be around them because you have nothing else. And that's just what's grown us so much. So I find a lot of comfort in having her by my side when it comes to those situations. Everyone's like, oh, don't you guys get bored of each other? And it's like, no, he's my best friend. Like, I love being around him. During COVID, we came home and my team decided to start the season back up. And it was kind of one of those situations where, what am I supposed to do? My wife's eight months pregnant. I'm under contract with this team, but they're not acting like, they're not treating me like I'm a human. Like I feel like, you know, but to their credit, obviously they have something they're trying to do, but I wanted to stay here and be with my wife just in case something happened. It was like the hardest time when he got the call that he had to go back. We just prayed and I just had a feeling that everything was gonna work out how it was supposed to work out. So we got to the airport and she's crying all stuff. And I'm literally holding back my tears because I don't want her to see me cry. But as soon as I like turn around, I just started bawling crying. We prayed that he would come in time for the baby. He didn't know if he would make it in time. Uh, I was due on August 3rd and he was supposed to come home August 2nd. So we were just praying. Man, there were, there were nights where like, I just couldn't sleep, like I just felt so bad and so, like I'm supposed to be choosing my family over work, right? But 
am I doing the right thing? I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. But all the stars aligned. He was able to finish the season earlier, like by two days. He got the championship. Landed, and then within 12 hours, Blue was born. So it was a crazy scenario, but it was a blessing for sure. The sacrifice that my mom's put in for me to get to this position, and now the sacrifice my wife's putting in for me to sustain and continue to excel in this position, those are definitely my two biggest heroes and supporters. Whether it's being a dad, he'll do anything 110%. He'll put up shots with our son, Blue, that's only two. He'll take him to gymnastics, take him to swimming. He'll do everything with him. I think it allows Blue, me, my brothers, to have something and also grow up and know how to be dedicated, work with the team, deal with adversity. And all those things are taught, I felt, feel really well through sports. There was really not a choice, you know? And I know that's kind of weird as a parent to think, but there was no choice in my house. It was, okay, we're gonna do basketball, we're gonna do it. Did we come to crossroads where we sat there and had those hard conversations of, you know, I don't know if I wanna do this anymore. Oh, you wanna do it. We're gonna do it. You wanna play in the NBA, or you wanna play in the NFL, or you wanna be a lawyer, we're gonna go full tilt to that. And some parents might say, oh, that's too much, but well, what else are they gonna do? They're not gonna have anything for themselves when they're done. Is it hard? Yes. We might need to reroute, yes. Turn the wheel a little bit to get around the bump, but we're gonna still do it. She always tells you once in a while, she's like, you're a good father. You're a good son, like, but it's rare like that, that side comes out of her because she's so the dominant, you know, screaming at you in practice. But when she comes out, I'm like, thanks, Mom. I know she's proud, but it's hard to get it out of her. Like, so I'd be really interested to see what she had to say about me, for sure. This kid is literally my rock. I mean, when I tell you that Heavenly Father knew I needed him, you know, I had Elijah really young. And it wasn't the easiest thing, you know. I was 19, and he's been there for me. He's been there for his brothers. He, he is an amazing man. Elijah Bryant, incredible sacrifice. You see what goes on when the, the curtains are pulled back to require him to become the elite basketball player. And, and it goes back to his mom driving him two hours each way. He's doing his homework in the car. That's the soundbite that stuck out to me the most is, why is his handwriting so messy? Because he's always in a car. The sacrifices of a mom to make it happen. Whose name is Israel, by the way. His name is Elijah. His middle name is Brigham. Some cool names in that family. That's awesome. Elijah's a great dude. And uh, he had a two-year run that's unbelievable with the NBA title with the Bucks making that late in the season. And then, uh, obviously, in Turkey with the EuroLeague champs. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm not sure it's going to get much better than that. That's, it, that's pretty awesome. World champion, literally, yeah, right? That's, that's awesome, man. Okay, if you missed any of uh, today's show, today's conversation, recent games, way past games, BYUSN.com has got all the shows and games that we have to offer. Up next, our fantasy basketball update as we head into the weekend. Is it finally my week? Probably not. But it's fun to think about. This is BYU Sports Station. I'm about to pick up Gandalf. Yep. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics.
Love a good entry pass. Lauren Gustin Bucket. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. We also have a podcast of this program. You can subscribe, rate, and review. Let's update the score with our fantasy basketball teams after last night's game. I love fantasy basketball, and I hate it at the same time. Because I don't like rooting against any <laughs> BYU player. Yeah, it, I hate it. Why would we ever? It just, anyway. Uh, last night, Gideon George, Spencer Johnson, and Cam Shelton combined to give me 61 parbs for 61 points. Cam Shelton was awesome. We had a 14, 6, and 6. I mean, 28. That's awesome. I got four whole parbs from Rudy Williams. So that was tough. Uh, and then Foose gave me 23, which is a little low for him. Uh, I still have my opponent coming up in Eric Williams Jr. Yep. Santiago. And then I need, of course, Lauren Gustin to lead the way. She's going to give you like 34 parbs per game. That's what I need, man. So she'll do her thing, yeah. and yeah. it's going to come down to the opponent. I'm, I'm down it's Eric by, Williams versus down Cam Shelton. You know, 34 right now. I, I got to uh, bring. Maybe Foose goes nuts. Maybe Rudy goes nuts. I mean, Rudy, Rudy single-handedly Rudy's won waiting. you the, a couple of weeks. Well, Rudy's waiting for a quad one game. <laughs> that's what Rudy does. That's when he shows up. Quad one game. That's all he Your knows. Your boy's going to be there yes. next Thursday. Let's go. All right, our question of the day. What is the goal for BYU men's basketball moving forward as far as this season is concerned? Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. John Taylor Game on third Facebook. we know. Okay. John Taylor says team for the Niners. BYU needs to make the NIT for the same reasons yeah. football needed the bowl game. Amen. More games and practice means more experience for the young guys on the team. Yeah. This team is improving and will continue to improve with more experience. Amen to all that. Get yes. to the NIT. NIT is a bowl game. Absolutely. Yes. You at least got to that. It's not it's hard equivalent to, get to, a bowl to the game. New Mexico Bowl. Although, yeah, I would almost put an NIT, the NIT above a bowl game a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Listen, to the start of men's volleyball season, can't wait to uh, be there with Steve Vale and Kenzie Kerber and our producer Harrison Collier and the gang. It'll be fun tonight. Go and crush Go. it with low expectations. I'm excited about uh, once that. Once we get in the gym, I expect I'm BYU excited, to I'm excited court, about it. Yeah. Our thanks to today's guest, Uncle B, Blaine Fowler. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Scott Sonnenberg. There's a basketball name for you. See okay. you tonight for BYU Men's Volleyball, 9 Eastern. Hey. Jeremy and Steve and Kenzie. Go Cougs.